Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, this, this is getting rough. This is getting brutal. This stretch of hockey for the abs is not great. Uh, we're recording this one a day early than we normally would just for to avoid some scheduling issues down the road. And the way the, the poll is going right now, we will be releasing this at midnight and releasing on Tuesday by the time you're hearing this. So that's why we're a day early and also just kind of works out. I think it's good to get our feelings about this game out of the way now, instead of holding them back for a day. Don't you think? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point right now with the abs where it's like, they're so close to like really bursting out and going on like a crazy win streak, but they can't get out of their own way right now. So that's the frustrating part. Um, but they're going to get it going. It's just in this moment right now. It is very frustrating. Yeah, this sucks right now. The Avs lose three to two on home ice to the Vegas Golden Knights, and they have gone 0 three and one since coming out of Christmas break. They lose all three games on this homestand. They get one out of six points. Uh, you get Darren Helm. Back in the lineup for this game. Great to see after such a long time out. First game back for the new year. And Evan Rodriguez goes out of the lineup with day-to-day. Nobody knows what the hell happened. Hopefully he'll be back somewhat soon. So good news on one front, bad news on the other. We can just hop right into this game. Uh, I thought this was going to be different. You get Nathan McKinnon 25 seconds into the game, bursting back onto the scene. And I was like, finally, a good start. The first goal, first time in six games for the Avs, they freaking score first and it just that was it pretty much yeah i mean that goal by mckinnon was beautiful that pass by miko was awesome and like you said 25 seconds you couldn't even settle into your seat before the abs were scoring 
Um, and I was completely in the same boat as you. I was like, all right, good. This is a good start. Like if we continue this and we play the way we've been playing in the second and third periods in the past couple of games, we're going to be looking pretty good. It was like the complete opposite of what games have been in the past. It was a strong first period, a weak second period, and then a strong third period. Um, but I mean, good for McKinnon gets him back his ninth goal of the year, which it, I looked at that and I was like, oh yeah, he, he did miss like a month. That's why he's only at nine. Um, it was a perfect shot and one of the few that got past Logan Thompson tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's funny we say that about McKinnon being at nine when he is second on the team in goals right now because of just how many goals Miko Ranson has scored for this team. Absurd stat. Uh, no one else is at 10 on this yeah. team right now, which is going to be a very relevant discussion later in this episode. But Nathan McKinnon, his ninth goal of the season, tied with Evan Rodriguez, Arturi Lekkinen, and Kale McCarr for second on the team at the moment. And it was like, okay, here we go. Finally, some energy, some life in the first period. And it continues for the first period. I was like, okay, that wasn't a fluke. You get some power plays. It looked pretty good, but you can't score on them. Lekkinen, fans on one right in front of the net. And they, they just looked real good in this first yeah. period for once. And then you get McKinnon setting up Miko Ranton. Classic play, classic. And Rantanen rings it right off the post on a wide open net. Vegas goes down 10 seconds later and ties the game. It, it, that play just kind of is indicative of what the abs have been in these past since Christmas, because it, it was a perfect play. It rang off the post and somehow uh, Michael Amadio comes down and scores on Georg to tie the game in one. It was the ultimate swing in that game. You could see the momentum fully swing after that goal, because like you said, the abs were fantastic in this first period. They had a ton of power play chances, the miss by Lekkinen, I'm not going to blame him too much for it. He was a little off balance and he swung a miss, but he had a wide open net. So you would have loved to see that goal go in. Um, and then, like you said, with Miko hitting the post, you had Vegas come down score. It it changed the whole game. It, if the abs go up 2 nothing in this game, I think they win this game pretty easily. Yeah, without I mean, you could have walked out of this first period up 3 nothing. You get the Lekin in to bury that chance on the power play. You get Ranton in to bury that chance. That means no Vegas goal the other way. You're up 3 nothing at this point. The game is, I don't want to say over, but you're feeling pretty good at that point. After all the awful first periods you've had, you're coming out of that feeling great. I'd be willing to say that sets you up not only for the rest of the game, that that blows off every bit of confidence issue that this yeah. team has had ever since Christmas break. But the, the bounces deem that not to be the case. We come out of this tied 1-1, and Vegas just kicked their heads in in the second period. They got crushed. Yeah, it was... It was bad. Like I was just in that second period, like, okay, here we go. We're going to get, and they just never, they could not get out of their own zone. They could not get any sustained pressure in Vegas's, uh, Vegas's zone. And it reminded me of like the playoff series. Like you remember when we played them and it was like, wow, we just can't get past the neutral zone. We just and, can't move. I, I yeah. think, I think Sinbin put it, put it best when talk about this game. Vegas looked like the faster team in this game. They made the abs look slow which is almost never the case with the apps. Even at their worst, they always look like the faster team. Vegas just has that neutral zone setup, And when it works against us, we're just completely immobilized. Yeah, completely immobilized. The D-man can't get going. They're constantly chasing the puck. Uh, Vegas gets their uh, cycle going, and they just they just bludgeon you to death. And in that second period, they really did. Um, there was a... Even though Vegas dominated in that second period, when they scored their second goal, the refs very clearly missed a high stick on Brad Hunt. Um, and it resulted in Hunt not being able to get out in coverage, deflect a pass, and Nicholas Waugh 
fires one in uh, to give Vegas a 2-1 lead. I'd love to say I was pissed about that call, but when you end up having, I think we ended up having like six power plays to one, you can't really like fault the refs for that too much. Like it sucked in the moment and in the grand scheme of things, yeah, that's a a goal that kind of changes the game. But when you get six power plays and they only have one, you, you have no one to blame but yourself. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that sucks in the moment. You had your opportunities to make up for it. The Avs had five power plays in this game, and some of them looked pretty good, but they could not bury anything. And we'll get to later in the game, crucial power play towards the end, couldn't bury on it. And yeah, they they missed a call here, which sucks, and they gave the Avs a penalty shortly after that for the, the Cogliano interference, which sucked but you held vegas off the board at least the vegas had one power play in this game and that was that you can't blame refs not not in this case yeah it sucks and it led to a vegas goal off a missed call you had your chances to make up for it had plenty of chances like yeah i i i I can't blame the refs for that when they literally just gave us so many power plays and opportunities in that game they tried to make up for it it seems um but it's just that goal was just a microcosm of what that second period was that abs couldn't get the puck out of the zone and Vegas was just hounding them. And it was Brad Hunt and Andreas England stuck in their own zone and they couldn't get the puck out. And it resulted in a two, one, uh, two, one lead for Vegas. And this was kind of a theme we were talking about before the abs top line was fantastic tonight, but outside of that, I don't remember any player outside of McKinnon, Ranton, Lekkonen, McCarr and Taves making a significant offensive play the entire game. No, that's something I was going to talk about later in this episode. The the depth has been abysmal lately. That you can look at just the box score, you can just remember the highlights from this game, you can dig deep in the analytics. They all say the same thing. That the, the top line was the only thing that showed up tonight. Nathan McKinnon, Rantanen, and Lekkinen had the only points in this game. They've all contributed on each other's goals and that's about it. Yeah, there, there's injuries right now. We know. We've been talking about injuries for a long time on here. And when injuries were worse, depth was not that big an issue. There were guys that were coming through. Now guys are coming back, and a lot of those guys are going back into their shells. Yeah, it's uh, like you can't hold anything against Darren Helm. It's his first game in like seven months, it seems like. so. Well, the guy doesn't uh, score points. That's not yeah. his job. He it's was not his not, job. He was not going to come back and fix this. Yeah, he's not. You need guys like Newhook. You need guys like Mulligan to create some chances, and they just didn't tonight. Like JT Comper had that one ring off the post late in the second period, but this was one of his uh, uh, not best games. I thought he was okay, but – Quiet game. Yeah, quiet. Newhook and Mulligan were – I, I didn't even know they were out there. Yeah, I thought Mulgan had one pretty good play. I mean, I I like how Dennis Mulgan looks on the ice. He creates a ton of good chances, and I think we are better with him on the team than Dryden Hunt. I'm not going to fault this trade at all, but the man cannot finish. He no. can't. He is no. simply just, I don't know what it is, but he can't put the puck in the net. He's had so many chances, and this is not a new thing. He's been here for at least a couple weeks now. And he can not put the puck in the net. He's come really close and he's going to get one eventually. He's going to get something to go. But this has been the problem with him in his NHL career and why he didn't stick around in Florida, despite being a pretty decent prospect and why he never really got a significant role in the Leafs. Because if he did, he wouldn't be here. So he needs to somehow find that scoring touch. Hopefully, He reminds me if he can just get one. 
if he can just get one, I think he'll be like, okay, I, I can do this. Uh, but right now he's, he's just, he can't finish. Um, I don't even, I don't even think it's a confidence issue. I just think it's, it's a skill set that's there sometimes. I just don't, I just don't know if he has a ton of finishing ability and that's fine. Like you just need a guy to be able to create some chances. Maybe someone can jam in a rebound, but it's a little unfair to put the microscope on him specifically because he's at least creating some chances and it looks particularly bad when nobody else is scoring. But once you start getting goals from everyone else, all the stuff that Mulligan creates is just going to be icing. It's it's going to be great. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought they gave new hook plenty of opportunity in this game. He just didn't really, didn't really do anything with it. And he had a, he had a couple good shifts, but I, I don't remember a single time where that second line like created and sustained offensive pressure in this game. Yeah. I, I remember when, we were talking real good about Alex Newhook a little while ago where he had that goal, I think against Nashville, he had a couple assists the games before. Uh, the fact of the matter is you need more from Alex yeah. Newhook. I know he's young. He's 21. He's still going to grow. It's a little unfair to put these expectations on him, but he has the opportunities. I know he's not getting the comp for minutes. He's getting 17, 18 minutes a night. That should, that should be enough to have some sort of impact on the game. He's, just been invisible for the most part and you can't have that right now with the state of this team right now and the expectation on him especially with these guys out to play increased minutes not asking for a goal every night I'm, I'm asking for something I'm asking for a pointless streak that doesn't extend over eight games yeah and I, he's capable of doing it it's just uh, we we just need more out of him and he just needs to start creating some opportunities. And I, I don't know what else he can do other than just keep going with the system and maybe something breaks his way. Cause I don't think he's like playing particularly bad. Like he's been responsible defensively. Um, he's just kind of existing out there and they aren't really like, he's not getting a chance to show off his playmaking skills so far. Yeah. I mean, He's still young. He's going to continue to grow. I think he's going to be a valuable player on this team for years to come. But it's like we said, you, you just need more. You need to be able to do more than just passable. Average is not going to cut it here. Whereas just you go out there and you're inoffensive. Whereas just nothing happens when you're on the ice. You got to make a play happen. Like there are times in his rookie season that new hook made things happen where I, that, I go to that game against Ottawa where he turned everybody inside out and scored that gorgeous goal. And when he was buried down in the lineup, you know, it was okay for him to be kind of quiet. Sometimes he was making the right defensive plays. He was making smart passes. Just not everything would go in for him. You know, he was 20 years old and it's just now he's been okay. And he, with the way this team is, the people we've lost, the people on the injured list, the role increases for him and production should too. It should. It should. And I, sadly, I think this is if this keeps going this way with the way JT Conference playing, we're talking about Alex New is going to be playing third line minutes and it's not the ideal start. But I mean, maybe he can turn around. We'll see. But you need more out of your depth if you're going to have chance to win in the NHL. Like you can't just win with one line against some bad teams, maybe, but against teams that have like competent coaching and competent NHL defensemen, it's just not going to cut it. You, you need your depth guys to start scoring. Yeah. And a depth guy that I just kind of keep waiting to pick it back up against Logan O'Connor. Yeah. He's been, he's been great on the penalty kill. He's one of our best penalty killers. That is the thing he does very well. He has not scored a goal since November 10th, where he scored two against Nashville. He's picked up a, the odd assist every here and there, 
but he played 10 minutes in this game in a game where you had Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen playing 27. Like we're calling out a lot of guys here, but the fact of the matter is, is that even Bednar is not trusting a lot of these guys to, to get a ton of minutes right now. Cause they're, they're not, they're not dangerous. Nope. Nope. And I, I don't want, we don't need Logan O'Connor to be a scoring a ton of goals, but we need him to be like, if they can even be like 75% of what his line of with O'Connor helm and Cogliano was in the playoffs, they can play like 18 minutes a game and you can just go out there and trust them. And they'll at least build some momentum for you to, to get some chances. They, they just aren't doing that. And it shows in the ice time for tonight. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to score goals, but you gotta be dangerous. You have to have the other team take you seriously as a threat. Again, I'm going to go back to something that Sinbin was tweeting about earlier in this game. This is a one line team. The abs that is you shut down McKinnon and Ranson, you win. And they were right. All you had to do was shut down those two guys nobody else was able to do anything in this game. Sometimes you can get away with that against lesser teams, not against Vegas, not even an injured Vegas. This is a good team. They know they're good. They're good. They have a good structure and Bruce Cassidy's a good coach. We knew this going into the season that they'd be good. And well, I did predict them in this playoffs, but we don't have to talk about that. Well, we'll we'll revisit that later, but I, uh, this was a game where you could really tell you missed Val Nachushkin. Uh, you missed a guy like Gabe Landeskog. I, I think if those guys play, it's a different story, but you could say that about a lot of games. We have what we have right now, and we we got to start winning some hockey games. So to get back to the game, uh, the Avs had an abysmal second period. Abysmal. They go into the third period down 3-1. Um, before the end of the second period, they got a power play. JT Comfort rang one right up the post. Like It, it was just the story of the Avs night. It was the story of the Avs night. JT Comfort's a perfect passing play. He beats Thompson clean, but it just hits the post like – that was one of the loudest pings I think I've heard in a long time. Um, and you just, you go into that third period feeling like, well, shit, if we could have, if they could have gotten that one, if JT Confers goes in whole different game in that third period, but it doesn't go in, go into the third period. Devon Taves drops an early penalty. Once again, the Avs really didn't do anything on that power play. Yeah. I mean, they had two power plays in this third period, both at, Opposite crucial times, 30 seconds into the period. You get one there, you've got the entire period to get this game tied up. After this, you get the goal from Miko Rantanen that just barely goes over that line. You got one break this entire game. That puck just barely goes over the line with nine minutes left. And you're thinking, okay, that's something. You got a game now. Is get the, the building's going. Everyone's excited. They're playing pretty well at this point, too. They're coming back a little bit. Vegas does not just have full dominion over the puck. And then you draw another penalty. Riley Smith high sticks Nathan McKinnon with over five minutes left. And you could tell this was the game. It was pretty obvious. If Vegas killed us off, we were not going to tie this game. And this was not a great power play. It, it was the worst one all night. It was the worst one. I mean, the second that puck got away from Kale McCarr on the blue line and just scored it right back out, I was like, that's it. This is not this is not happening right now. The whole building's pumped up and the air just like putting a needle in a balloon just was gone just like that. Well, and I go back to that too. After that play, I feel like McKinnon had a good zone entry. He dangles past Mark Stone, but instead of doing his usual drop pass to the side, he tried to just beat the other defender and it just got swiped away. Uh, Stone made a good play. I, I get McKinnon is probably thinking he's the only option right now because let's be frank, like <laughs> it's his line or nothing right now. But I would have loved to see him just kind of set it up. Maybe you create a chance. Maybe you create some chaos. But before that penalty, I thought the Avs had one of their best shifts of the game with that with that top line. They were 
just destroying Vegas in their own zone. And I think McCarr had a really good shot. Taves had a really like there were so many chances and you just couldn't get anything past Logan Thompson. It was crazy. Yeah. And I mean, with McKinnon, he has not practiced the power play since he's been back. This is only his second game back. He said as much after the game. He's looking forward to getting some touches and practice and getting some chemistry back. But it's just that's a that's a tough play to make in that moment there. Because the abs, I mean, they were playing well enough to tie this game. The building would have the the roof would have blown off the building and probably really changed a lot of momentum around this team right now if they get this game tied. That that one hurt to not get there because you knew, like I said, that that game was not getting tied and that Vegas had really already won. Yeah, and you had a chance in the final minute. I mean, the you can't blame the top guys. Like you said, they played 27 minutes. I, I would have loved for them to stay out there for that last, like there was one last little rush where I think Malgan, Cogliano, and uh, Newhook and Ben Myers were out there. Yeah. You would have loved for that to be your top guys, but they had played so much in that third period. Like they needed at least like a 30-second breather. Um, and th- that line with Morgan, Newhook, and Cogliano actually created a pretty dangerous scoring chance. Uh, Morgan fires one's on net, goes behind the net. Ben Myers gets it right out in front, and he shoots, and it's it it just hit it just hit Thompson like square in the pad. Like, like if he has any placement on that shot, maybe it goes in. The puck felt like it was in the crease for what like thirty five seconds, and just nothing happened with it. So. It, it it just it just wasn't the Avs night. And then I just remember too. You remember this? I remember watching it live. There was a play late in the third period. I think it was before the Avs got their last power play. Thompson had fallen over, and I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, we're, we're, like just get the puck back and fire it." And they fire, it and Thompson's standing up, and it hits him right in the pad. You're like, <laughs> "Like this is just this is just the night the Avs are having because it that was the perfect opportunity. Like he was literally standing up. He he was not ready to save a puck and it just hits him square in the pad. If it's an inch to the left, it's in the back of the net. We have a tie game. Yeah. I mean, there was just so many instances where we could realistically be talking about like a five, two abs win yeah. right now. Just so many bounces don't go their way in this game and also couldn't get out of their own way in this game as well. Just incredibly frustrating and they can't get the game tied with the net empty. They, they gave it a good shot in the third period, but going 0 for 5 on the power play is just absolutely brutal, especially. Yeah I, think, when, yeah, I think they say on the broadcast we're like 5 for 44 in our past like 44 attempts. Like That's just not good. Like, that's just we, not going to cut it. We've had eight power plays since McKinnon came back, and we're 0 for 8. Yeah. And Vegas only had one power play in this game that we killed off. Special teams should have been completely in your corner tonight. If you at least get one, it's a tie game. There's there's so many things you can apply it to. You get one power play goal, different game. You get one more bounce, different game. It's it's a really frustrating game, a really frustrating loss. And just that second period just really gets on my nerves because you started so well. It looked like we understood the fact that we just got our asses handed to us by Toronto and are on a three-game losing streak. And this is our final home game on this three-game homestand. To come out in that second period just so utterly flat, but then come back in the third period with a pretty decent period, it's just I I don't get it. You if you play that way in the second period that you play in the third period, you this game is at worst going to overtime. At yeah, worst, at worst case scenario, you don't get a bounce in the second period, but you at least play better on Vegas and don't allow two goals in that period, and you get a point out of this. At worst case scenario. Realistically, there are so many ways this game could have been won. Vegas was good in this game. I didn't think they were world beaters. I think they played a they played well enough to win, but 
this was the Avs game to lose still. And they, they found a way to lose it. It was bad luck. It was bad, sloppy play. Uh, Georgiev was fine. I thought in this, this was, this is probably the first game this season. Georgiev has been just okay. Not terrible, not great. Just okay. I mean, you would have loved to save on the the first Nicholas Woggle, but he literally bailed him out like 10 times before that. So I'm not going to fault him too much. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought Georgiev bounced back. He played well enough to win, in my opinion. Well, he, I thought he, he did. He gave him a chance, yeah. especially early in that second period before Vegas took the lead. He saved the Avs' asses. He gave them a chance to win this game. They did not help him in that second period at all. Did not. It was just a really – it was a lifeless second period. And we were texting about it, and I I don't think I'm concerned to a point where it's like, oh, we actually need to start panicking. I am concerned in just the fact that, like – there doesn't seem to be the same urgency with this team as there was last year to win these games. And once again, there there is a psyche part of it where after winning the Stanley Cup, there's going to be a letdown where you're like, oh, we already did it. We, we can get by it. But you got to start winning some hockey games. You just have to. And you cannot play 40 minutes of hockey and win a hockey game. It's just you're not at this point talented enough to do that. You just aren't. Yeah. I mean, you've lost. Plenty of significant pieces in the offseason. You did your best to replace them, but you have not had Landis Gog for a single game this season. Val has missed several portions of this season, and we don't know exactly when he's going to be back day to day. Evan Rodriguez has been in and out of the lineup. You're getting you got McKinnon back, you got Helm back. It's just the time's now to really start getting getting your shit together, just to put it mildly. And I have no doubt this team is going to turn it around and there's going to be a game where they score six, seven goals because it's a mixture of they're not playing great, but they're also getting really unlucky and they they are still missing key players. Like you, as frustrating as it is to still be talking about the injuries, they are still a thing you can't exactly ignore, even if it has gotten better. It's just the the four horsemen of the apocalypse right now with this team. Everything's going wrong. Even then, they still just barely lost. Their shooting percentage is in the ditch right now. Once you get some guys back and once some depth starts to pad out this lineup and things just start to work out more and more, this team's going to start rattling off some games. It's starting to get to the point that I'm the division I'm getting a little worried about winning. That's kind of my standard right now. Maybe the Central is not out of reach, but it's going to be a challenge to win at this point. You're gonna have to get hot. You're gonna have to get hot real quick. There, there's still like the the door is wide open to get top three in the division right? and, and get home ice in the first round. It's still wide open to do that, but you gotta start rattling off some wins here. And it's it's not at the point to be concerned. If we were like 60 games into the season, this was still happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh I'd, yes. I'd be pressing the panic button. Yeah, at but, 60 games, if this is still a problem, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the schedule coming up, you have Vancouver who. If we lose that game, that th- there's going to be some tough conversations. There, there's that. some trouble because that's Cause, that is a winnable get right game, and there's a big difference I think between a four game losing streak and a five game yeah. losing streak. Five is when you're like, this is a big problem. Yeah. Four is this is the worst stretch of the season, but it's not worth hitting the button yet. Five is like something's wrong. Something yeah. is fundamentally wrong right well, and here's the thing because vancouver is they're literally like the players hate each other they yeah. they all hate each other 
there's a mutiny going on in there. You have Spencer Martin who had a good stretch, like no, no, no doubt about it, but he's come back down to earth a little bit. Thatcher Demko saw like this team literally hates each other. You need to go into Vancouver and win that game and just have a big game and just please score like five goals in a game. Just, just, just do it one time. This is a great spot for new hook. I think to have a big, big game because who is Vancouver's defenseman? Cause they're probably going to throw, I don't even know if they throw Quinn Hughes out against the McKinnon line. Like do they throw out Tyler Myers and fucking Ethan bear? Like, is that who they're going to throw out? Like this is a chance for the depth to get going, get some confidence. And they really, really need to win this game. Really need to win this game. Get right. And then you go forward to Saturday against Edmonton. That's going to be a tough game. Like, let's just be, I mean, Connor McDavid's on a different level right now. Is Dreisaitl still hurt? I'm, I think he, he'll be back for that. If he's not back already, I'm pretty sure he'll be back for that game. That game terrifies the shit out of me. Because can you just imagine Brad Hunt and Andreas England against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Because I'm I mean, shitting my pants just thinking about it. I mean, if I have one complaint about Bednar is that he is stubbornly putting those guys out there in matchups where they are in way over their head. Yeah, agree. In, in the Leafs game, they had no business being on the ice as Mitch Marner. That, that is just a bad matchup in a game where you have the last change. And to put them against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl is just not fair to ask. I mean, these guys are playing a role that they should not be playing. They are not everyday NHL defensemen. That's not a knock on them. That's just what they are. You're missing Manson and you're missing Byram. Brad Hunt maybe should have played 10 games this season. Anglin is break glass in case of emergency depth option when you are missing guys. And that's just kind of where we've been all season with the defense and missing those two guys is, and by all indications, they're not coming back anytime soon. So I don't know. Manson's starting to skate, so that's at least somewhat positive. It's something, at least. We we right. just need one of those guys back soon. It's because it's not fair to these guys. I mean, they're playing way over their head, just to put it simply. Yeah, they are. And the good news is Manson's starting to skate. Um, I would estimate, I mean, it probably like another two weeks before he's back. Best case scenario. Probably. Like, like maybe two weeks. Uh, you just, you need your defenseman back. Bo Byram, I, I still like, there's just no idea what happened to him. There's no update. There's nothing. Uh, like Landis Cog, like what, how, how is he not still close? Like, I know. I mean, for Bednar to specifically come out and say nowhere close to returning, that's a little concerning. I mean, the original timetable was around now. And then it was pushed to the end of January. And now here we are at the beginning of January and it's still nowhere close. Like, what is that? Mid February, end of February. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, that's, that's the frustrating part is it's like, I, I get everyone's body heals different, but man, it just sucks, man. Like also, you need, you need I, Landy back. Yeah. I also like, there's probably a good answer to this that I just don't know. But why was this done before the season started if this was this bad? I, I, I think I think they said they tried to go without surgery again, and then it, it just was not going to happen, so they just did the surgery late. Like, shouldn't you have realized that early in training camp that it probably wasn't going to work? Like, I mean, what, did, what are we did, doing here? I mean, was he not skating in the offseason? Like, it's just that's that's that just seems weird to me that this is such a big issue that it's going to keep him out after surgery. 
until probably February. And no one really realized this before October, before September. I, I, I am, I am no doctor. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but that just seems weird to me. I agree. It, it seems very weird. And we've talked about Byron before on the show. Like, it's just, it's, it's just weird. Like the whole situation regarding Bo Byram and this injury just feels weird. Like, I, I, I don't know what happened because what it went from him being happened. What yeah. the hell happened here? Yeah, it went from being week to week to now we're literally coming up on two and a half months. He hasn't played yeah. hockey. It's, not week to week, it's been month to month at this point because we've we've pretty much gone a month without an update on Bo Byram at all. It was just he skated one day, which was not even really reported on by the team, and then he is completely disappeared. We don't know what the hell is wrong, and it's it's worrying. I mean, it at least it's not a concussion. Yeah, but that's that's, that's really true. The, that's really the only positive that we can draw from this. I, I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I Is he going to be back around Manson time? Is he going to be back around Landeskog time? Is he coming back? Like, cause now I'm starting to, it's getting to the point where I'm asking is like, did he tear his ACL? Like what's going on here? I feel like if he did, they would at least tell, like they would at least move him to LTIR. Like the fact they haven't moved him to anything is, is crazy. I think he's on IR, isn't he? He's on IR. He's on IR, but it's just a weird circumstance with that whole thing because it was like he took remember he took the pregame skate in one of the games in Finland yeah, and the then last, he just the last game in Finland he was on the ice for warmups and he was like oh he's out for this game and he's day to day week to week yeah. now it's month to month and that was that was the same the Finland trip is just a, a bugaboo because then you had Val have his ankle thing in those games and then you have Bo out it's just. Well, did you see what, what was wrong with Erod pretty much just now? He had another injury flare-up at the end of the last game. Yeah. Like, I, again, I hate speculating on things like this, but this is another flare-up. This is getting weird, isn't it? Well, he had a lower body one before, yeah. but this was upper body. It, he took morning skate. It was just weird. Maybe it's just precautionary and he'll be he'll be back, but it's just... It's just we we can't get out of our we, we can't get out of this injury bug right now. And even McKinnon was saying post game after this Vegas game, like there's no quit in this room. It's just we need to get healthy. Yeah, like, you're, you're you're just not in a spot right now where you can win games. And they're trying their damnedest. They're trying their damnedest. But outside the top line with McKinnon, could you imagine how this game would have gone if McKinnon was out for this one? Do we score? <laughs> I don't know, man. I really don't. Like we we need him to be Superman. And I I, I don't know how we won six of seven games without him in the lineup. Oh, those were good times. Those were really those good were times. Those times. were like two weeks God, ago. Yeah. God bless Miko Ranson and his 25 goals. Yeah. I, it's just been, uh, it's just kind of been tough. It's been really tough. So I, we say all this and it sounds like we're super down on the abs, but no. we aren't the, the underlying stats are showing the abs are, are getting chances and they're, their shooting percentage is bound to go up. We talked about with McKinnon's shooting percentage. His shooting percentage is going to go up. The Avs as a team, their shooting percentage right now is worse than the 16-17 team. Like, that is really bad, and that that team in 16-17 was, was historically bad. So you know that it's going to eventually balance out. Um, but right now in the moment, it's fucking frustrating. It is very, very frustrating to watch right now. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into big payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. But I'm still like, I'm more annoyed than I am concerned at this point because the Maple Leafs game, yeah, they kind of got their asses kicked in that one. The Kings one, you could have won that game. You're up by two. Arizona, if Georgiev plays just a little bit better, you, you may win that game. And this one against Vegas, if, if you just don't have a shitty second period and you don't have as many posts, you win this game too. So it's not like the abs are getting their ass kicked in all these games. They're right there and they will eventually start to go their way. It's just right now. It's not going good. Well, here's a stat for you from Ooh, Puck. Uh, shooting percentage on shots on goal. Just give me a ballpark as to where you think the abs rank. I mean, they have barely over a hundred goals this year where they rank. I'd probably say 30th. 32nd they are they have, the, they have the lowest shooting percentage for shots on goal in the nhl below ottawa below chicago below anaheim below nashville below philadelphia surprisingly carolina's down there at 26 i did not see that coming but they are at 5.84 percent ottawa who's in 31st is at 6.52 we are in the gutter right now when it's it pretty comes funny to percentage that is going to go up eventually is it going to go rocket them all the way back into fifth probably not but that's going to go up this team is too talented to be shooting under six percent for their shots on goal who's in first that's a great question i scrolled all the way down in first is the seattle kraken at 10 percent. that's hilarious that explains a lot it explains a lot doesn't it seattle's in first and they're doing really well the abs are in last they're doing fine like they're, they're, in, they're in the playoffs in every metric right now but they can be so much better seattle's on a shooting bender right now it might carry them to the playoffs but the abs are going to get better by a lot you know this is surprising who's, you want to guess who's fourth and fifth mm, mm, the coyotes they're fifth who's fourth uh, oh god is it the blues it is the san jose sharks that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And number two is Vancouver. Huh. So I don't know, maybe this isn't this uh, this tell-all stat that I thought it was because you've got some pretty low-end teams in well, there. That but... explains why some of those teams have been in so many games because they're just scoring yeah. that. Like, I mean, San Jose, you got to think about Nico Sturm is having like a career year, so it makes a lot of sense. But even if you get into the middle of the pack, this team's going to like – they're just, they can't buy a goal right now. They just can't buy a goal right now. And they will eventually start to get goals, but man, it's irritating right now because it's just everything that could have gone wrong in these four games since Christmas break has gone wrong. 
yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm looking at more of these like goals above expected. All like the abs are at the bottom in all of these. When it, this is basically just talking about luck here, and shooting percentage on unblocked shots, the abs are also 32nd at 4.37 percent. Let's go. This team is bound to start scoring goals. I think in March or maybe February, this team's going to be putting up four or five goals a night, and we're going to be looking back on this, and be like, man, that sucked. This how gonna how up. bad would it be without Miko Rantanen scoring twenty five goals? We talked about it at the beginning. It is Rantanen at twenty five and nobody else in double digits yet, yeah. and a lot of that's been due to injury. But without Miko Rantanen right now, this would be bad and <laughs> very the, bad. The heart conversation is a very real thing right now. This team would not be in the playoffs right now without him. They wouldn't, but yeah, like we're at six percent, and that's Miko probably shooting seven percent by himself, yeah, and that's that's Miko probably shooting twenty five of it. Yeah, so yeah, it's not good. But like you said, the luck's going to turn around. This team's going to start scoring. It'll come eventually. Like it's just going to be one of those games, and I'm really hoping it's against Vancouver on Thursday, where it's just like, oh yeah, here we go. Here's a six goal game from the Avs, and they win six to two. Like remember, remember last year. Like maybe this is like another micro. Like uh, we're living in a simulation. Last year they lose both those games to Columbus and then they beat the Canucks seven to one. Yeah, the Canucks, maybe this is like the start of it. Yeah, the Canucks have always been our comfort food over the years. Just when things are going wrong, it's like, oh, but we got the Canucks. On the we side. got the Canucks. So things are all good. I also wanted to finish on that Ranton thing. Ranton alone is shooting nineteen percent right now. Shooting nineteen. Shooting nineteen percent. Holy 19, cow! Nineteen point one to be exact. And we're at six percent. And yeah, we're at below six percent as. That's a hilarious. So even with Nico Ranston doing everything in his ungodly powers to drag this team, they're still shooting under 5% right now on unblocked shots and under 6 on shots that have gotten through. Nice. That's hilarious. Hilariously, Bo Byram's in second at 18%. Let's go, Bo. We need you back, man. Two goals on 11 shots. And in, Alex Newhook is fourth at 13%. He's shooting 13%, which I think is indicative of the fact that he does not shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I still like, I, I really do think this team's going to be fine. It's just very frustrating right now. Um, and it's going to get rolling again. This team's going to be fine, but man, this one stunk against the Knights. Like th that's two games, like this one and the Kings one where you felt like, yeah, the Avs should have won these games. And if they win those two games and you end up going like two and two over the stretch, you're feeling a lot better about yourself than Oh, three and one. I think if they win the Kings game, I think they do win this game. Because yeah, I, think, exactly. I think that loss is the kind of loss that gets in your head. You yeah. blew a two-goal lead in the third period in a game that you really did not even really deserve to win at all. And you still could have stolen two points. You gave it up late. You wasted that Kale McCarr performance. And then you just get boat raced by the Leafs the next Well, game. we knew that was coming. Yeah, we, <laughs> but exactly. We knew that was coming, but yeah. it wasn't even a fight. We lost 6-2. to two. And then you come into this game, you're feeling down, and things start going wrong. You can't get anything your way. I, th I think if they just had a little bit of confidence from holding on to that Kings win, the Leafs game is closer, and we win this game. And we're talking about 2-1-0 on and, this trip. And I think it's going to help having some practice time. I imagine it'll be an optional skate tomorrow, I imagine. Uh, and then practice on Wednesday. They'll practice hard, fly out to Vancouver, get ready for Thursday. I, I really do think the Avs are going to kick the shit out of the Canucks in this game. I, I yeah. think it's going to be, I think the Avs win six to two. I really do. 
I, they have to win this game like this. If they lose this game, this is a big problem because now we're talking, you went into Christmas break playing pretty well, playing some actually really good hockey. Even if you weren't getting a ton of goals, you were keeping pucks out of your own net. You had Georgiev playing well, you were playing smart defense. You dragged teams to shootouts and overtimes that you won. And you, you came into that on a four game winning streak to come out of the other side on a five game losing streak. What happened over Christmas? Like, what happened here that all of a sudden this team just forgot what they were doing? Too much ham. I ate too much ham. It's the only rum thing ham. I can think of. <laughs> Some rum ham. Yeah, too much. Too much. But I, I really do think the Avs are going to kick the shit out of the Canucks on Thursday. I oh, really oh. do. Like, I think we're going to have a pissed off Nathan McKinnon. And I think he, I think Nathan McKinnon's just natural state is pissed off. Pissed off. Yeah. But I, I really think the Avs are going to kick the shit out of the Canucks in this game. I really do. Like they are not going to come out flat footed. I think they jump out. I think they score early again and they start getting some puck bounces to go their way. I really like the abs in this game. I think they win it big. I agree. I think they are going to win it big. I think they're pissed. I think the two days off is going to do them well. They're going to get some good practice time in there. I think that's going to do well for, for Georgie too. I think he needs some of that, that extra day of rest that he has not gotten in over a month at this point. I think they're going to come out there. I think they're going to smoke the Canucks five to one. Even, even, if, even if the game is close, just win. Just find a, if you're hitting post, you can't beat Spencer Martin. Just find a way to get the job done here. I don't care if it's a blowout or not. I don't care if you score five. Just fucking find a way, please. And whenever JT Miller's on the ice, I want you attacking him because that dude's quit. Yeah, like, oh, he's yeah, he he's is. Quit. Has there been a bigger heel turn in the NHL this season than JT Miller? Because no. he went from a guy being the Canucks being like, do we really want to trade this guy to them signing that extension? And now he is immediately public enemy number one in Vancouver. Pretty wild, but we'll see what happens with that. It's it's crazy. They've signed what to a seven by seven? Seven by seven. I mean, I have never seen anybody scream at their goalie to leave the net and slash the back of the net. Like that, that is not a leader. We don't know what goes on in the Canucks locker room, but that's not a happy marriage right now, 30 games into your new contract. No, no it's not. So I, I think the Avs take advantage. I think they beat the shit out of the Canucks. And then that sets up the game Saturday. We're going to have a late night Saturday because we got to record after the game. Um, Against the Oilers, the first game since the Western Conference Finals. Ooh, this game, this game scares the shit out of me. Uh, just because there's extra motivation for the Oilers in this game. There is. And they're petty. They're petty. I, I'm a little nervous about it. I'm not gonna lie to you. But the Oilers are very banged up as well. Like they they are they are hurting from injuries. I think the Avs can take advantage of it with like if you can just keep McDavid, I think, two points in this game. I think you can win the game. Yeah. As I also did not know this, but do you want to just take a guess at to where Ryan Murray's been this season for Edmonton? IR? Yeah. Sad. It's it's great when you go on injured reserve and expected duration for Ryan Murray is unknown. I don't know what happened. I've not been keeping tabs on Ryan Murray. I hope he's okay. Yeah. But I had honestly it, forgotten about him until you just brought him up. So did I. I was like, oh, Ryan. Yeah, that Ryan Murray, the one who played for us. Uh, unknown. How many games has he played? Uh, 13 Ooh. He had three assists. Yikes. It seems Yikes. like, it seems like the others are generally okay for now. I, I think dry settle is back right now and they're, okay. they're missing Evander Kane, Murray, Clefbaum and Mike Smith is retired as much as they want to lie to us and say that he's not Oscar Clefbaum still on the Oilers. Right. 
What the fuck? He's Jesus still Christ. there. Talk about flashback to 2015. Jesus Christ. I, I was I was gonna see if you caught that. That I I said that so nonchalantly. It's like an Oscar Clef bomb. He's like, what? Has he played any games this year? Uh guess the last time he played. October 18th. No. Was it like three years ago? It was 1920. Holy shit. Is he on LTIR then? He's on injured reserve. Huh. <laughs> no well, one's on LTIR. They've got three guys. They have Mike Smith and Oscar Cuthbaum, who by all indications are not going to play ever. And they're not on LTIR. That makes zero sense. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to pretend to know how the salary cap works. I'm a dumb yeah. I'm a dumb little stupid guy. I don't know how any of this works. That makes okay. But yeah, that's that's uh I okay, totally no, forgot no, about no, no, I was I'm I'm wrong. They are on LTIR. Oh, okay. I was about to say that would be dumb if they weren't as, on LTIR. That friendly is confusing. So could you go to the depth chart and IR is counted as LTIR on depth charts? But makes when, sense. But when you go to the salary page, it is LTIR. Yeah. But what do you think the abs have to do to beat Edmonton on Saturday? You Hockey gotta, night in Canada. You got to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Drysettle. You don't, you're not winning. The, those guys are going to smoke you regardless. They're going to put up probably a point each. And it's good. I think your stars are going to play well. The difference is whose depth is going to play better in the playoffs last year. The abs had much better depth and that was a big difference right now. It's not that big a difference right now. And the Oilers depth as bad as it is, is healthy. And if they just get one or two goals from those guys, they'll win the game. They still have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who is a very underrated threat. They still have a guy like Zach Hyman. They still have guys who can occasionally bang in a goal. And the Avs, they need someone to do that against the Oilers. Logan O'Connor, Martin Kaut, or Ben Myers, just someone anyone find a way to get the puck in the net. This would be a great time for Dennis Mulgan to have his breakout. I think he does. I I think I agree with everything you just said when it comes to that game. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, if you can hold McDavid and Dreisaitl to one point each, that's a win. That's a win. And I, I think the Avs have a chance to win this game because the Oilers, they've been okay recently. Like I wouldn't say they've been world beaters. Um, but I do think the Avs can win this game. I'd say it's pro I'd lean more towards the Oilers right now just because it's like a little bit of revenge factor. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, but if the Avs win this one, I'll be I'll be very I'll be very shocked. But like let's be real, here's what's gonna happen. They'll lose to Vancouver and then beat Edmonton. Like that's Probably. just how it'll go. <laughs> yeah. Everything we just said will be flip flop. They'll suck against Vancouver and then they'll go and beat Edmonton. And you'll be like, what the fuck's going on here, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it goes to overtime. I think if the abs can drag it to a shootout, I think they can win it. But in five on five, uh, McDavid Dreisaitl is scary. Very scary. Very scary. I mean, they're, the game before that, they'll play the uh, New York Islanders. So Is that the day I, before or a game before? The, the game before. They play on Thursday. That'll be a fun one. So, ooh, Thursday too, we got Pittsburgh, Vegas. That'll be fun. Some good hockey games this week. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not worried about the Avs. I, I think if they can beat Vancouver, if you can get a point out of Edmonton, I'll be feeling really damn good. Uh, but as it stands right now, I, I don't see a way we can beat Edmonton without like everything going perfect and nothing's been going perfect for the Avs lately. I think if you get a good get well game against Vancouver and you you beat the crap out of them 5-1, 5-2, whatever, 
I think you can go in Edmonton and beat them. But if things go bad against Vancouver, it's going to spiral pretty quickly because Edmonton is going to be up for that game. The question is, are the Avs going to be up for that game? Yeah. How cool would it be if both Evan Rodriguez and Val Nachushkin played against Edmonton on Saturday? That changes things very quickly. That is two top six players back in your lineup just like that. And hopefully – you can start taking some guys out of the lineup. And I know Curtis McDermott threw the body around tonight and didn't take a penalty. He played That's key. Goals. Didn't take That's a penalty. Key. Didn't take a penalty. That's your job. Hit people and don't take penalties. Yeah. But if you can bump him out of the lineup and start actually icing a, a consistent team, like you can bump maybe Cout out of the lineup and maybe Myers out of the lineup at a certain point where you get these guys back. I mean, well, who do you who do you take out first, Cout or Myers? I Probably say Cout just based off ice time recently. It's probably Cout. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it was Cout's first game back, I think. But yeah, it was his first game back. But I, I, I think you do Cout. I've, I've liked what Myers has shown more consistently. Yeah. Uh, than Cout. But if you get like, even if we get one of those guys back for Edmonton, we're gonna see a lot. I can pretty much, I can see into the future. I can see into the future. Val's gonna be skating in a red jersey at practice tomorrow. I can just envision like it right now. I like, like I just I envision all, it. All prognosis about. Val, that's not that bad. And he's yeah. going to be back pretty soon. And with Rodriguez, he has a flare-up, which could be similar to Val. He misses a couple of games, might be back next game, might be back Edmonton, might be back in two weeks. It's hard to really tell with with flare-ups and how careful they want to be. I agree. Uh, you take McDermott and Cout out of the lineup first. Myers, I think, I think I still like Flutie a little more than Myers right now when they played. I liked Houdon a little more, but I think the plan is to go ahead with Myers at the moment, which is fine. And I think Myers has played better. Ben Myers in a fourth line situation is pretty good. Like, yeah, I, I can I like that. I like that. I think that's a perfectly fine spot for him, especially yeah. out like with Helm and maybe Logan O'Connor or Cogliano next to him. I think that'll work out pretty well for Hope, him. Let's be real. He's probably going to, if we get Val and Erod back, it's going to be Alex Newhook. Like, uh, that's going to be the center on this line. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so, probably is going to be. Because Bednar loves that Comper, or excuse me, Cagliano, Helm, and uh, O'Connor line. He loves that line. It, I mean, it did pretty well for you. Yeah, it did pretty well. Last year, and Newhook doesn't deserve it. No. Nope. Right? He doesn't deserve those elevated minutes. But so if he goes up against a fourth line in the third pair of Ds, he, I think that's better for his game. I think that's better yeah, for his confidence I, right now. I, I, I completely agree. And also... You put Myers and Newhook together, all it takes is one nice play, and all of a sudden they're both picking up a point on that. Correct. And that can do wonders. You never know Correct. sometimes. But like look at you just get two guys back. You get Val well, back, you get Erod back. That line actually could be pretty dangerous with Myers, Mulgan, and uh Newhook. That could be a pretty put, gross line. That'd be a pretty good line. I don't know if they would put Mulgan down that low, but well, if you get well, Erod and Val back, well, then you're well, not gonna well, bump well, down JT Comfort. Well, what's well? What's our fourth line at that point? Because is it going to be Helm? That's the fourth line, or are we calling the new hook Malgin and Myers line? I think you line? can keep those two pretty similar. But yeah. tell me that compared to what we've been icing, that'd be a hell of an that NHL is, lineup. <laughs> that is a competent lineup. It's yeah. not Curtis McDermott and Jacob McDonald playing a combined nine minutes. It's yeah. something that you can put on the ice and expect NHL results out of. Like it'd be it'd be it'd be crazy to see, and oh my god, if that happens on Saturday, we're gonna come on here and just be like, "Wow, we actually had a real NHL team playing tonight." Yeah. So I, I yeah. honestly, I like that. I like that lineup. You get Helm, you get O'Connor, you get Cogliano back on the same line. You throw them out there to frustrate the hell out of people, like you did in the playoffs, and then a fourth slash third line 
of Newhook, Malgan, and Myers, that's that's pretty good. I like that a lot. Pretty damn good. So hopefully, ah, fingers crossed. Oh, my God. And can you imagine when Landis God comes back and then you're having to sit either Malgan or probably Myers at that situation. Yeah, like, Myers Myers comes out first there. Like, what the fuck? That this team's gonna look like the team we thought they'd be. And that's not even including the trade deadline acquisitions they're gonna make. So yeah. I mean you you've got pretty much three forwards sitting out right there. You get two back in Erod and Val, you're a Landeskog away from a fully healthy, fully healthy forward core. Why was that such a tongue twister? Yeah, it's fully right. healthy forward core. And then and then who knows what's going on with Byram and Manson, but hopefully you can get them back at least somewhat soon. With Francois, he was put on IR, which means at least seven days. So, but that was retroactive. So, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's retroactive to that. So it's it's not that big a deal. But we're probably gonna be leaning on Georgiev for the rest of the week. Yeah, because that would because he got hurt in, against Arizona, right? Or was that was, when he was sick? It was out of Christmas where he was out. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, Georgiev. But if he plays the way he played tonight, the Abs can win. Well, that, that, just you give give him a shot, right? And right now, Georgiev is hovering at a nine fifteen in twenty six games so far this season. Solid. That is if if I had to make a guess as to where he would be on January third, or I guess still the second for you, but because it's midnight for me. But on January third, Georgiev is a nine fifteen. I'd be that is exactly where I thought he would be. Yep. Almost maybe even a little better than I thought. May I would have been wrong about how he would have gotten there with the between the 963s and the 850s, but that is exactly where I thought big picture he would be. If he can maintain between a 915 and a 920, we're fine. Yep, agreed. So I'm hopeful we go in this week with two straight wins. I think they can do it. Maybe there's a shot in a prayer that Val and Erod are back for Saturday, but overall. Shitty game against the Knights. Can't get frustrated because I, I think this team's this close. You can't see me right now, but my fingers are barely, barely apart from each other. They're this close to getting getting going. Um, but right now it sucks. But the, don't freak out, Avs fans. We'll be good. Yeah. The, the time for freaking out will come later. If this team is truly as bad as some people want to say they are, there will be plenty of time to panic. Do not worry. We are not even halfway through this season yet. So... There will be plenty of time. I think the most surprising thing coming out of this game is I did not come out of this saying, man, I fucking hate the Vegas Golden Knights. I I surprisingly tolerated them in this game. It was a nice little fight in the first period between England and and Golzar that we just kind of brushed over. It was a good, clean fight. There was no videos of of Knights fans publicly harassing anyone. Their, Their Twitter account was pretty tame for the most part, I think. So all in all, it's a... Successful night for Vegas. They did not lower their stock and make everyone hate them again, though they did get a Winter Classic today against the Seattle Kraken for next year. Winter Classic was today. Bruins beat the Penguins 2-1 to one in a, a game that happened. And next year, the Winter Classic will be the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights at T-Mobile Park in Correct. Seattle. I think that's what it's called, home of the Seattle Mariners. And... The only reason I bring this up is because this is a very rare occasion on this podcast where Christian and I just disagree. Mm-hmm. I think this is a perfectly fine idea. Christian hates this. Yeah, I I, I don't hate it. I just think the Winter Classic. No, I'm, I'm exaggerating your point. Yeah, no, like I think this should be a stadium series game, in my opinion. I, this just screams a stadium series game. Uh, the Winter Classic is 
it's an event more than a game. And watching that at Fenway Park, it was fucking cool today. Like I know Boston's in it a shit ton, but watching it in one of the most historic stadiums in America was really fucking cool. Um, and it just seems forced that they're doing this. Like it's not really a rivalry between these two. Um, I, I think this would have been a fantastic stadium series game, a fantastic stadium series. But as the Winter Classic has the standalone game on New Year's Day, it, it doesn't really move the needle for me. See, I'm at the exact opposite on it because I think today was forced. They already did Fenway and they've done Boston so many times. They've done Pittsburgh so many times. And I mean, the last thing they did in Fenway was Boston and Philly. How big of a difference is this really? And I, what do you, I don't even remember what last year was Minnesota and St. Louis. Louis. It's just, it felt to me like they've run out of ideas. This to me is at least something fresh. And how many winter classics can you say accomplish anything at all they fail in ratings they're okay in the local market this at least if all else fails is a slam dunk in seattle for the local market winter classics i've been to outdoor games they're fun they are they're way more of a local phenomenon than a, a national thing anyway having this in seattle in their third season i think is a great idea vegas i take it or leave it i don't really care they've they've been waiting for an excuse to put vegas in an outdoor game this is a rare case of just good marketing you got a new team put them on the new stage let them let them draw a crowd let the casual fan know the kraken exist is this going to be the most watched winter classic ever no but i think with the winter classic you got to just kind of embrace what it is I think when the ratings come out for this game, yeah, it's probably going to be one of the most watched regular season games. Most winter classics are, but I think this is just a good way to grow your newest franchise. One that's already top five in revenue. And so is Vegas. You can't argue they don't deserve it because they do make money at a fundamental level. These teams make money. And I think it's just a good way to grow that Seattle fan base and set a foundation of making Seattle a hockey town because we have seen in the past the NHL does not do a good job at supporting its market sometimes, it's, except Arizona, who they just continue to shove life support into. Yeah. But teams like Florida, like even Carolina for the longest time, like they they kind of can just leave teams to flounder and die for a little bit. And they got lucky with Vegas being good. So Seattle's going to take longer to be better. They could be good next year. The way things are going right now, they could ice a decent team next year. I think this is a good idea. I think this is just a good way to market your new team, build the local fan base. And just even if it's not that successful nationally, you at least accomplished something. And that's better than what, like, what would they have done instead? Like another Boston game? No, I, I, I would have loved to seen the Avs versus. Yeah. Like, I don't even know who I'd want. I mean, like the Avs versus the Oilers would be electric. Like, like that's, at, but that's at what Folsom Field in Boulder, like that'd be fucking electric, like the Mountain View. Um, I I, I like Carolina getting a game. That's going to be fun against the Caps later this year. Uh, I really think Buffalo would be electric for another one. I, I really think, think Buffalo. I think would be Buffalo's got to make the playoffs first, and then you give them one. Yeah, but I mean, even like Tampa Bay would be a cool one. Like to see them get one. It, like it'd be cool to have a game in Florida. I mean, they, they did one in LA. Yeah, to varying degrees of success. But Tampa did have a the randomest outdoor game of all time last year against, against the Predators. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'm I trying. Even, to think. I don't even remember who won that game. I just know that it happened. The the Lightning won that game. I remember. I, I assume uh, because so. 
because I bet on the lightning minus one and a half and they gave up a goal with like two minutes left and they, they only won by one. Um, I'm trying to think what other teams I would, but that that's what, that's kind of my point is if I was in a boardroom meeting, I would have suggested this. I think this is a good idea to just give your newest team some market share and have them just get marketed out to the casual fan and really build that fan base locally. Because even if they lose that game, which they probably will to Vegas, it's a great time. Outdoor games are a lot of fun. This is a really good way to establish your sport in the market. I think the Devils Rangers would be a fun one. Didn't that'd be a that, really fun didn't one. Didn't they do that in the stadium series a couple of years ago? They did the stadium series, but that'd be an electric game right now. Um, and again, it's the it's the Rangers again. Like we've already done this. It yeah. just it gets repetitive. I agree, but it's just I'm all for putting new blood into like these outdoor games, but I, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of this winter classic. I, I I'll still watch it without a doubt. Um Seattle's a very passionate sports town, but I don't know. I feel like the feel like the winter classic should be here. like dude i'd watch pittsburgh washington again in a in a winter classic i mean i would too but like that's you already had that matchup i, I mean, know but tell fun. me you wouldn't want to watch that again i would go to it but yeah but that but i'm a i'm a caps guy i would do yeah. that but i mean I, I think it's just a good idea to have fresh matchups every now and again and it gives you more time to make that next winter classic a classic really and maybe maybe you do do that. Maybe you do throw the Penguins and the Caps out there. But like you look at the top teams right now, a lot of them have had outdoor games. Like Boston had one today. Carolina has one next month. Vegas is getting the next one. And you can't put Canadian teams in the Winter Classic. It, this is an American thing. It's for American markets. That's the main reason this exists. Canadian I mean, they did it with the Red Wings Maple Leafs at the Big House. Yeah, that was cool. And, but that works because they're so close together. Like right. I think if you put Edmonton and Colorado, just to use your idea, like it's can't, a great you, idea. You can't tell me that wouldn't be the greatest winter classic. That of would time. <laughs> that would be amazing. But from a marketing perspective, American fans don't care about Canadian teams, even if Connor McDavid's on it. You ask anyone on the street who Connor McDavid is, they don't care. You at least show them an American team. There's a small chance they might watch it. It's and I, I still. I still want to see the Avs versus the Wild in an outdoor game. I still do. I still think we should get that. I really hope we do one day before these teams fall off. And you know what? Maybe that's the next one. Maybe we'll see. Maybe in 2025, isn't it now? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird to think about. I don't like that. Yeah. 2025. Maybe maybe it'll be the Avalanche in the Wild. But I mean, like, even a team like Pittsburgh, they've had their share. The Rangers have had their share. Boston's had a ton. Chicago better not see an outdoor game for 10 more years. I don't want to ever see them. Mm-hmm. Philly's had a couple. And then like we're we're really looking at like the top tier drawing teams. The Caps have had two winter classics and an outdoor game, and they're getting another one next month. We're really running low on the same teams over and over again. And like I don't think Seattle's gonna be in a ton of these just give them one in their infancy and then grow that market see and just maybe it does really well you never know and maybe it does a, a team that i think would be fun just because the venue they could play out would be columbus if they could play in i have in columbus. That. like I, that'd be really cool if they um, get bedard that's happening maybe, maybe. And a one in Arizona would be hilarious if there was oh, one. Once nice. they get a once they get a stadium and they're locked into that, Bettman's having a victory tour and they're putting yeah. one in Arizona. That'll be awesome. Who are the teams that haven't got one? Arizona, Columbus, and Florida. Florida. Is that all? No, there's, there's probably there's, some more. There's definitely more. 
but I mean, like the Ducks, the Sharks, they've all had one. A lot of Canadian teams haven't, but they don't really count. Well, they play in the Heritage Classic in yeah, Canada. That's, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, so I think all of them have had at least one. I think I think almost every team has had almost one. Is that the only three? Uh, Dallas had one. Yeah, and Nashville was there. Like, um, Chicago's had plenty. Anaheim has had one. Columbus one. Has not. San Jose, Arizona's not. Montreal has. Philly has. Vancouver has not. I don't know. They played in the Heritage one. Yeah, yeah. Florida has not. Nashville has. St. Louis, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, Colorado. I, mean, I think you get my point here. That yeah. Almost, almost I think it's just those three. Team, almost every single team has had one. Yeah, Columbus would be cool if they could get one. But yeah, yeah overall, it's the first time probably in the show history we've disagreed on something. Yeah, and it was, uh, a very, it was a very tame conversation. Yeah, and that shows you where we're at. But man, it's getting late. I got uh, I got nothing else for this show. Yeah, I mean the Connor Bedard. I don't know if you saw that. Oh but, yeah, that was electric. We we don't have to go too deep into this, but if you are more than ten points out of the playoffs right now, sell at the deadline every one percent chance you can increase to get connor bedard is so absolutely worth you know what i saw i saw tiktok today i wanted to send it to you uh can you imagine trading ben sherratt for connor bedard because that's becoming more and more likely because the panthers traded their first round pick to montreal fully unprotected and they currently as the standings would suggest have a 6.1 percent chance to get the number one pick montreal does on top of their pick already I did not even realize that. Yeah, because right now, points percentage-wise, Florida would have the eighth overall pick, and Montreal right now is sitting at sixth. Yeah. And see odds, using tankathon.com, 7.5 and 6%. They have a 13.5% chance, the same as the Ducks flat out in second to get Connor Bedard. That is hilarious. Imagine if they get Slavkovsky and Bedard back-to-back. That'd be... And it, that that would be really cool, but also like it, people would scream NHL rigged at oh, that point. They definitely would, especially after they got Slavkowski in Montreal. Yeah, Man, NHL I, rigged. Yeah, NHL is rigged. I, as long as Chicago doesn't get Bedard, I'm, I'm chill of, with whoever. Whatever. Me too. Chicago does not deserve Connor Bedard no. after after the shit of the last eighteen months. Fuck you. You yeah. don't have Bedard. If there is at any. If the only time I would ever be in favor of the NHL rigging the draft lottery would be if they saw Chicago's numbers pull up and they just drop a ball and be like, oh, redraw. Agreed. Agreed. But we also got Canada versus USA World Junior semifinals on Wednesday. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of things to talk about on Saturday. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, be a good one. But let's send these people on their merry way. Yep. So I know this one's releasing a day early, but we're not changing our rest of the week schedule. We will record on Saturday after the Edmonton game to release on Sunday. This is just to make sure we're able to get this episode recorded at all. Plus, it just felt good to do it after the Vegas game anyway. So it all kind of just worked out. So you guys get it a day early. We'll be back uh, releasing midnight on Sunday. Same schedule as always. This is not going to be a permanent thing. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. Uh, I know the Avs don't have any home games coming up, but for all of our listeners from around the country and around the world, you can use promo code TELLITAVSITIS on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. Good way to support the show, and even better, it saves you money. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay, and you can follow the show at tell it abs it is but again thank you all so very much for tuning in i don't know how we did over an hour again but somehow we did and we will catch you all next time 
But until then, let's go abs. <laughs>